0: He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is gonna be an awesome masterclass. You're gonna get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to teresaheathwearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast, episode 135. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. How are you doing this week? I am all good, keeping busy as always. What about you? Seriously though, how are you? Now I know that sounds ridiculous as you're listening to this on a podcast, but I want you to come and talk to me. I love it when I hear from people. I love it when I get DMs. I do my absolute utmost to reply to everybody in a fairly timely manner. It can take some time, but I do get back to people. So please do come and say hello because otherwise I don't know who you are. You're sat here listening. I am talking away in your ears as I might have done every week for a long while. And if I don't know who you are, please come and say hello. Instagram's my favourite as you probably know by now. So please come and drop me a DM on there. It would be lovely to hear from you. Okay, I'm just going to jump straight in on this episode because I did a lot of small talk last week, and you probably, quite frankly, don't need to hear it every week. So, (laughs) we're going to jump straight in. And this week, we're going to be talking about getting in front of other people's audiences to help build you, your business, your personal brand, your profile, your social media. So, this is a strategy that I often recommend to business owners who are particularly the face of their business. Now as a business owner, as a small business owner, you are the face of your business whether you like it or not. If you are a copywriter and you're the one that writes the copy, if you're a designer and you're the one who does the designing, if you're a personal trainer, if you're a photographer, if you are a baker, whatever it is that you are, you are probably the person that's doing the thing. And therefore, whether you like it or not, you are the face of the business. And obviously, as you well know, when you're growing a business, it's a numbers game. It's about getting more people in front of you, more people aware of who you are and what you do. So, Getting in front of other people's audiences is often a key strategy I use, not only for my own stuff, which has helped immensely, but also when I talk to, for instance, 90 day students and we're trying to work out a strategy in order for them to grow their audience and grow the amount of people who know about them and then ultimately get more customers. So I wanted to address it on today's episode. I wanted to talk to you about how you can do it, why you should do it, what sort of things you should do, how you go about it, how you get over the fear of approaching someone else to get in front of their audience. Now, I am slightly nervous doing this episode because I feel like I'm about to open myself up to an awful lot of more requests to come on the podcast. (laughs) And you'll see why as we carry on. And I do get an awful lot of podcast requests for guests. And You'll see kind of some of the good and bad things that people should do through my own experience of being on the receiving end of this. But we do have quite a, I was going to say strict, it's not strict, it's just kind of quite direct approach in terms of our podcast. Obviously, it has to meet my audience, you. You have to want to hear from them, it has to add some value. I have to want to interview them, which is kind of a big thing because I don't want to interview someone that, you know, I don't want to hear from. Do you know what I mean? So, anyway but I'm slightly concerned, like I said, that doing this episode is going to get a whole uh, host of you coming to me saying, can I come on your podcast? Which I will put you through the same process as everybody else. We have a form that we fill out. In fact, you can find it. I literally am opening myself up now. You can find it on the podcast page, on the website, terizahoothwaring.com. If you go to the podcast, it will say, do you think you've got I think it says something like you think you've got what it takes to be a guest or something like that. But there's a whole host of questions that we ask you. And it depends on a million different things. It depends on who we've just had on, who, what subject you want to speak on, whether I think the audience would be interested in that subject, what your experience is. So anyway, it's not just straight down to how many followers you've got, which it can be in some cases, but I'm kind of jumping ahead. Let me start from the very beginning. Why should you even consider getting in front of other people's audiences in the first place. Well, I think that's fairly self-explanatory and I've kind of, in my rabbit hole discussion I just got into there, hopefully kind of made it clear that one of the things that's brilliant about getting in front of someone else's audience is the fact of they have an audience. So the idea is you are trying to leverage someone else's audience in order to help promote you and what you do. Now, This might sound a little bit like as if you're doing something mean or not nice or not kind, but that's not the case at all. The case is that as a content creator, I have a level of content I need to create in order to serve you guys, in order to keep you entertained so that you keep coming back and listening to the podcast. And that takes effort, obviously, you know, finding the right people on, getting the right information, hoping that it inspires you or drives you or motivates you to do something. So that is a a hard thing to do. And obviously, because I've spent the time and effort to put into my podcast, I've got an audience, you lovely people that are listening to this right now. So it's not a case of like, you're being lazy and you want to go in front of someone else's audience because you can't bother to build your own. It's not that at all. It's about... Helping them serve their audience through your expertise, but also knowing the fact that they have got an audience that could potentially be a good fit for you and your business. And this should really be seen as like a two way thing. So, one, you are providing them with some really good value that will help them with their content creation and help their audience by you teaching something or being an expert in something. Whereas what it's doing for you, the two-way thing, you're putting in that effort to give them something. But what it's doing for you is putting you in front of a whole host of new people that might not know you exist. And in order to do that, in having that, it might mean they come and follow you on social. It might mean that you're able to provide a lead magnet and they get on your email list. It might mean that they actually come and buy your thing. So, This is a great way, no matter what business you're in, I think there's a real opportunity for this. Now, obviously in the knowledge industry, it's very easy, but that's not to say that you can't do it if you're in a different industry. And I've got lots of good examples for you. Okay. So I've kind of said, this is what it's about. It's about you using their audience size, but you adding some value to them and their audience, which is why they would want to include you or have you work with them. So it's really a collaboration of some sorts but some of these collaborations are bigger and longer, some are really short. So let me give you an example of the type of getting in front of their audience you might do. So let me start with the obvious one which is a podcast. I have a guest every other week, I need people to come onto the podcast and Therefore, those people are getting in front of my audience. I'm introducing people to you that you possibly have never heard from. And if you really like something they said or did, you're going to go and check them out. So podcasts are a great one if they do interviews. The next one uh, is a really good one is guest blogging. Now, again, I get so many guest blogging requests, which and you'll see kind of the rules of how to do it. This is not how to do it. I don't even have a blog anymore. So it's like, don't come and ask me if you can guest blog for me when I don't have a blog. But as it would, I wouldn't actually have people guest blog. Because again, if I did have a blog, they might see that I'm the only person who writes for that blog. But blogging is another good one. I've done a few guest blogs now on different sites. I've done one for Tailwind. I've done one for Social Media Examiner, which is a massive audience. So to have something go out with my name on to that audience is brilliant. You could do things like vlogs. You could do things like videos. Obviously, at the moment, I am getting an awful lot of requests and I'm trying to do as many as I can for people with online events. So to get me as a speaker to sit in the room obviously is now virtually impossible well we're on lockdown but um I say lockdown we're not really on lockdown but we can't go anywhere and and the chances of events coming back anytime soon in the next month or two are very very slim so i'm doing an awful lot of online events where i'm being asked to be interviewed or i'm being asked to do a lesson on something i've been asked to come and speak to lots of online networking groups. So again, getting in front of people's audience is a great thing to do. What else have you got? You could do things like takeovers. I was just looking at my list, sorry. Takeovers, you can do things like obviously when people are doing events, you can speak at events. So like I said, getting in front of someone else's audience is great because these are new people. These They don't know who you are. And if you can get on a podcast or be interviewed on video and they're going to put it out to all their audience, then brilliant. I think this would be a great place to pause and talk about the fear thing, okay? Now, it's funny because this fear thing comes up all the time in different guises throughout every single aspect of something we do in our business. And this is a big place that it comes up and it came up massively for me. I remember reaching out to someone I know who is in the same sort of business space and they were putting on an event and I reached out to them and I asked if I could speak at their event because it would be a great event for me. They had some good speakers, I really wanted to be part of it and they came back and said no, right? And this is some time ago and they they started doing the dm or the the text i can't even remember what it was saying no and i almost didn't even read the response i just saw the word no and immediately went to who did i think i was obviously they don't want me of course they wouldn't want me why did i think that was even possible and then i went into this i'm obviously not good i'm obviously don't know i don't know my subject what you know this complete hole of I'm terrible, rubbish, they don't want me, I'm not wanted, I'm awful, which sitting here telling this story to you feels like a massive over-exaggeration of emotion. However, at the time, it felt horrible. So then what happened was I thought, well, I'm not asking anybody again. I'm I'm just not going to ask because I hate that no. I hate the rejection. I hate the thought that people don't want me. Now, what I should say at this point is if I continue to read down that message, there were some absolutely valid reasons why I was not the right fit for that talk at that time. They were looking for something very specific and I didn't fit it. So it was nothing to do with me personally. It was to do with the fact that the event was not the right fit or I wasn't the right fit for the event. And you know what? Even if it was something to do with me personally, even if they just didn't like me, then again, that's not really anything to do with me. I just go on and do my thing. And if people like it, great. And if they don't, then that's okay. So regardless of the no, I took it really personal and I shouldn't have done. I should have just gone, okay, that's cool. That's a no, move on. Now, what's going to happen is you are going to have some, well, if you're like me, you're going to have some really interesting internal reactions to this. You're going to listen to this episode, think that's a really good strategy because if you can get in front of other people's audiences, and I'll give you some good examples in a bit, then actually that would really work for me and my audience and work for growing my business, da 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 da. But then what might happen is you might go, but that's not right for me because I'm not expert enough. I don't know my field enough. I'm not good enough. And the fear will stop you from doing anything it will basically halt you in your tracks and go, oh, hang on a minute. You probably don't want to do that because they're probably going to say no, because you're not good enough and you don't know your subject and who do you think you are. So I just want you to be really aware that your body and internally might be saying that to you. You might be feeling that. And I want you to go, great. Thanks for trying to keep me in this little box but actually I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. And the way that I got over this was I turned it into a numbers game. I turned it into that the achievement was more about how many I asked in a specific time period than whether I got yeses or nos. And I asked some big names, like I've asked to go on some big podcasts and the one in particular, I'm on a list of potential. But if I got on it, it's a massive audience for me huge it would be an amazing audience to get in front of so actually the benefit way outweighs any risk and i have to always bring it back to what is the worst that can happen okay so if i go to someone like tony robbins like i this isn't who i asked to go on this podcast but let's just say i like pick the biggest and the best name in an industry that i can think of with a huge audience What if I went to Tony Robbins and said, Tony, and I'll tell you how I would approach it, you know, I'd love to come on the podcast. I think I'd be great for your audience. This is the value I can add. And Tony went, no. Like, seriously, what's just happened there? Did I die? No. Did my world fall apart? No. Was I slightly miffed, maybe, or a little bit embarrassed? Or maybe. But did it mean I lose loads of money? Did it mean I was publicly shamed? No. It just means that he said no. And that was it. And then I can go, okay, great. Thanks, Tony or Tony's team. And then I might try again another time. Or then I might go, can I ask what it was? And they might turn around and go, you're not big enough or your audience isn't big enough or you're not the right fit or whatever it is. And that's fine. At the end of the day, and even if you turn around and went, I just don't like the look of your face, then that's still fine because I haven't lost anything. I haven't lost my business, my family, my home, my whatever. And I know it seems like a really woo-woo out there kind of comparison that I'm sat here going, have I just died? Or could I lose my home? But it, honestly, like the fear will stop you from doing it. So you really have to find that extreme, find that kind of level of actually come on, what is the worst that could happen and take the really awful things that literally blindside you. That is never going to happen. The worst that's going to happen is they're going to say no. So if you get that in your head already, then you've got nothing to lose. And if they say no, you might feel a little bit like mm, that's a shame, but that's it. And then you go on to your every day, what you do every day. So like I said, I won no or get ready for the no and go, if they do, they do. If they don't, they don't. I want to see the yes as a bonus. So I'm like, that'd be amazing if they said yes, but I'm half expecting a no. Although I'm also into the manifesting thing, which means I like to envisage myself being interviewed and whatever. Anyway, uh, that's by the by. So I, I kind of almost set myself up as one, I'm not expecting the yes necessarily. But then what I do is, like I said, I do it as a numbers game. So what I want you to challenge yourself to do is think about it that way rather than start listening to that scaremongering fear person in your head who's going to start telling you a million reasons why you shouldn't approach that person. You're not good enough. You're not the right person. They're going to say no. They're going to humiliate you. You're going to feel like an idiot. I want you to shush that, that voice up and I want you to go, all I'm doing is following a process and I'm going to apply for X amount per month. So this is how we do it. Also, we do this from a. We constantly want to be getting in front of different audiences. We constantly want to be having, you know, constantly asking people and drip feeding that all the time. Now, luckily enough, I now get to a point, and it took time. Believe me, this is not, you know, check me out. I'm amazing, but I get asked almost half as much as I ask. So, and obviously, when I ask, I'm being really picky in terms of right now. I'd really like to go on that one. So you'll get to a point where people will start seeing that you do this and they will start asking you. So it's like, it's kind of self-fulfilling that if you do it and you go through the process and you apply for so many a month, the more you start to do, the more people start to ask you. Okay, so let me talk about the process. First thing I do is I set myself a task of how many am I going to ask a month. And this could be two, three, five, ten, whatever you want it to be. But you need to actually reach out and ask those people to apply, to come on, to write a blog for them, to be interviewed by them, to talk to their group, whatever it might be. Then the next thing I do, once I've made that commitment to ask so many a month, I then write a big long list. And I actually have an Evernote about it. I have it on a spreadsheet where every time I see a potential podcast that looks like it could be a good fit or a potential sort of interview situation, speaking gig, whatever it might be, whenever I see someone and think, oh, that's really cool, I will then write that down as a possible to contact in the future. So, But what I want you to do in the first instance is I want you to write down who would be a really good fit. And what you're looking for is they serve the same people you serve. Now, they might not do the same thing you do. And although I'm not averse to having what you might call technically a competitor on that, you know, I'm not averse to that, but obviously don't let that be your first choice. So pick people where they serve the same audience as you. Now the one I always give, which is such an easy example, is the wedding industry. So if you are a Um, wedding cake baker and you're trying to get more people in your audience, then you might want to go to a wedding florist or a wedding dressmaker who does a kind of content thing, whether it's a podcast or blog or whatever, and say, can I help and provide some content for your audience? Because she's not a direct competitor. I'm actually thinking of someone in my academy who's a a wedding cake maker. She's not a direct competitor to the dressmaker, but the people who follow the dressmaker will be the same audience as she's trying to reach. Does that make sense? I realized I've said a lot of words and I don't feel like I've said it very clearly. So I'm really hoping you understand what I mean. So the people who follow someone making wedding dresses are obviously people who are looking to get married and therefore they're really potentially going to be interested in the wedding cake baker as well. So a couple of other examples is if you're a personal trainer, why not team up with a nutritionist or go onto a blog or a podcast or a video where there's a nutritionist? If you uh, had another great example, one of the ladies that went through the 90 day program with me is a, well, her name is the baby detective and she basically works with mums to help them with their babies. So again, she might want to team up with someone that does baby clothes and see if she can have an interview on their podcast if they happen to have one. So can you see what I'm doing here? It's people who serve your audience. So that's the first thing when you're looking at finding those those people who serves your audience the other thing i look at with the criteria is who would i be a good fit for like so i like to make sure that you know they're my kind of person and and that i can add value to their audience because obviously one of the ways i'm going to try and convince them that they want me on their podcast or they want me on their stage is by saying to them look your audience are going to really enjoy this because I've checked, and this fits really well with who you are and what you do, and and I feel like it could really add value. So, so like I said, the very first thing I do is make that commitment to how many a month. The second thing I do is go and find a load of different places, and don't just because I have a podcast doesn't mean I only go for podcasts. I very rarely do blog writing. I hate it, you know that, but speaking on stage, being interviewed, being on video, doing a video for someone, any of those things, I am happy to consider if it fits with me and what we're doing and the audience. So like I said, just because you perhaps write blogs doesn't mean that you can't go on someone else's podcast. So go and find a big long list of people and then start filling out those, I don't know, let's say you're going to do four a month. So this month I'm going to contact this one, this one, this one, this one. And like I said, see it as a process, take any emotional fear out of it. The next thing you're going to do is do a little bit of homework because when you reach out to them, I get people all the time who reach out to me and they write something that is so generic, I can't even tell you. Or it's evident they haven't looked at my podcast, even though they've said, Oh, I listened to your podcast and I'm a big fan. And then they pitch some corporate manufacturing person to come and speak. And it's like, well, if you'd even listen to one episode, you would understand that is not my audience. So the next thing is I do want you to do a little bit of homework. I want you to look at what has their theme be for the last few months? What do they talk about? How do they like to do it in kind of what's their process? Do they like to do an interview on video? Do they like to have practical tips? Are they looking for step-by-step stuff? Are they looking for inspirational stuff? So have a look at who they are and what it is that they're actually doing. And then I want you to think about a couple of possible subjects that you could talk about. Because again, that helps me no end. As someone on the other end, when we look through, we every so often we go through the applications that we had in and one of the questions i ask specifically cuz i make you do an application but if the first reach out this helps is what would you want to talk about so that i can decide actually that just wouldn't fit in my audience or we've just talked about that or whatever it might be so think about what subject things you could talk about and how that would add value to their audience and then i contact someone so for instance, if this was me, I send the email myself. I get lots of requests from other people who do it on behalf of people. There are agencies that do this. Personally, I'm not a massive fan of that. So I would always reach out myself. I wouldn't even get one of the team to do it. So if I was trying to get on someone hugest podcast, I would send them an email or a DM. I'd normally do, like, if I kind of knew who they were and I knew they managed their own DMs, I might send them a video. If not, I would probably just straight up send it into their email and wait for a response in there. But like I said, what you're trying to do is when you're sending that email, spend a little bit of time sort of introducing yourself, but then focus mainly on what you can offer them, how it will help their audience, because that's what they care about. It's like, yeah, that's great. And I do want to see how expert you are. And I do want to see some your experience, but I don't want a, a whole approach of look how amazing I am. I would rather know what you can do for you listening because you're the most important thing in this whole process. So make sure or for me, that's what's worked. So I would always make sure that I say, these are the subjects I could speak on. This is why I think it'd be a great fit for your audience. Uh, And I know you like to offer a you know, worksheet at the end. So I have a worksheet that you could give them or something like that. So make it obvious that you've looked at their stuff, make it obvious that you understand where they are and, and the, who they're dealing with. And actually, just so you know, on the other way around, if you do have a sort of podcast or a blog or a vlog and you want guests, when I'm approaching people that I want on, I try and talk about why my audience is a great fit for them. So it's always about them. Okay. So let me just check my list. So who to pick, then how to approach them. We've talked about that fear thing, get that off the table, just do it as a process. And obviously you're going to have a kind of templatey format. You're going to have a kind of idea of how that might be written. And therefore you're just going to swap out certain things. So this isn't like you're doing a whole massive email bespoke every time you, you contact someone, you're going to have some of the things the same. Your bio, your short bio is going to be the same. And then obviously, you wait to hear from them. If you want to do a follow up process, if you want to check back in with them, then you might want to do that sort of, you know, a couple of weeks in or a week in or whatever. And I do have to say that's always helpful for me because I forget. I don't forget. I get busy and then it's on our list of things. So at the moment, I have something like six applications to look at from this week and I haven't yet looked at them. So if one of them was to come back and go, oh, I was just wondering how I was getting on, then I might go back and double check it and that might sort of, inspire me to get on and do it quicker. So you could have, like I said, you know, put it in a spreadsheet and just do a quick thing in your diary, just follow up with them. And then, like I said, whether you did that a couple of times, whether you do it once, whatever that process might be, and then that's it, right? So literally that's the task. If they come back and say, yes, brilliant, then I've got some things I want to talk to you about. If they come back and say, no, I would try and ask for a bit of feedback as to why that was the case. If it's someone massive you're going for, I'd be, well, the chances are you won't get an email from them, and the chances are you won't get a really honest response, but it's always worth asking. I have had people come back to me and say, when I've asked them to come on the podcast, that they say my audience isn't big enough for them because they're massive, because the value to them would not be big enough on with them coming on my podcast. But then of course I've had other people like Dean Graziosi, who's absolutely huge, and he came on without even you know having that question or having that conversation so don't always fear that you know they're not going to say yes for you to go on their stuff if they're big and you're not as big as them okay so let's say they've come back and said yes wonderful news then they're going to have a normally they'll have some kind of you know this is what we like to do this is how we do it this is when i want to record or want to need your stuff in by, this is your bio, you're going to need some kind of bio and headshot, so be prepared for that. I now have it so that Joanne on the team, she has them. So if someone asks for it, I just ping the email to her and she now sends it them. But obviously if you haven't got a great photo of you and also remember, you know, what that photo is going to say, as in that's the first time they're going to see you, so make it a good one. Um, And make sure your bio is really kind of selling you and doing the best job of going, this is how brilliant I am. So they're going to want your bio, want your headshot. Like I said, they might ask you the questions to ask you. They might ask the blog to be written in a certain format. That's purely down to what their sort of ideas are and how they run their own stuff. But one thing I would encourage you to do is to have a good call to action. Now, you can't necessarily sell on there. You might not be able to do a lead magnet. Again, these are questions once they've said yes to ask whether they'd be okay with it. But what you might be able to do is they might do a, where can we find you? I often have that question given me. If my audience want to find you, where can they find you? So I always kind of send them to the same places. I send them, well, I first off say, you can Google me anywhere. Just put Teresa Heath wearing into your favorite platform and you'll find me, but you'll find me most on Instagram. Also, if you want to listen to the podcast, go to da, 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 So I always, if I can't do a lead magnet, I'll always have that same call to action because It's really important to think, where are you sending them? What are they going to see? What are they going to get? And in my mind, if I've just done a podcast interview and they liked listening to it, they might want to come and listen to mine. So that's how I would go about that in terms of having some kind of call to action. And then the last thing that I would recommend, and you might want to put this in your email as you pitch it, or you might want to mention it as you're doing the recording or the whatever it is. Is that you're going to share it on your social media? Now, we have a category in my social media scheduling called something like featured on or guest appearance. That's what it's called guest appearance. And every time I go on someone else's podcast or blog or vlog or whatever, we share it. So I ask them to send me the artwork or the post for social media or whatever it is. And it goes in my scheduler because it's really good, not only for them, because they get more sort of bites at the cherry. Is that a word? Have I just made that up? Bites at the cherry, that is a word, isn't it, a phrase. So they get more chances to be sort of seen in front of my audience and whatever, and and I'm helping them, but also, I am showing the rest of the world, look, people want to interview me. People want me to speak on their stages. People want to have me on their podcast. So again, that credibility to new people looking at me and going, why should we have this woman on our stage? That is another really, really good way in order to show that actually I do this a lot and I wouldn't have been able to go on all these stages or podcasts or videos if I wasn't good at what I said I was good at. So That's kind of my steps in terms of putting yourself in front of other people, finding out who the right people are, and then approaching them, giving yourself a target, finding out why you're good for them and would make a good fit, and then just go ahead and do it, and then once you do get interviewed or do a blog or whatever... Then try and encourage a call to action where they come and find you in a certain place, or you might have a specific landing page for them. I know, in fact, I interviewed someone. Uh, no, it was Amanda last week. So Amanda came on the podcast, and her team created a specific landing page just for the listeners of the podcast, which is cool. So you might want to do something like that. That's a lot of work. Obviously, Amanda's got a team. So, and then, like I said, sharing it on your own social media is great as well as them obviously sharing it to their audience. So I hope that helps. Like I said, for me, it's been a great way to build my business, a great way for me to get in front of other people. Oh, the other thing I want to say as well is like, sometimes I'll do an event and I will get like 50 followers in a day on a social media platform, which is really cool. Like that's a really nice byproduct. Or I get sudden, I can tell when things go out. So, you know, obviously we do, I do lots of online summit stuff and I record it way before the summit and sometimes I forget when it's actually going out because they don't need me to be present or whatever and then suddenly I'll get an influx of people opting into my email list or suddenly liking me on social media or they'll start tagging me in stuff and it's ace, it's brilliant. So like I said I think this is a great opportunity for you to get in front of other people's audiences and start expanding your audience. So I hope that's been useful. Like I said I am half expecting an influx of uh, applications for the podcast. And like I said I will consider you alongside all the others and it comes down to whether you would be a good fit for you basically uh, to listen to the podcast. So but like I said do go check that out. Give it a whirl. See how it works for you. It will take a bit of time. You will get some rejections to begin with, but then the more you start to do it the more like I said it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay. I will leave you to it for this week. I really hope that helped. Come and tell me as always. I love to hear from you and I will see you next week. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I would love it so very much if you were happy enough to head over to iTunes and give me a review.